Welcome, listeners, to the inaugural episode of Real Japan Life, starring Kenzo, which is me, and Ferg. Yes, hello, listeners. And、uh, you may recognize us from another podcast.、Uh, we do、uh, the Real Japan podcast, where we talk about current events in Japan. But we thought we'd try something new, a new series. Uh, called Real Japan Life, where we talk about、uh, more general topics about life in Japan, which、uh, people thinking of moving here or just curious about life、uh, over on this little island nation、um, might be interested in. So that's where we are, and our first episode will be covering、uh, Japanese homes and.、Uh, Some of the interesting quirks about living in a Japanese house as opposed to living in one、uh, like where I'm from in the US or where Ferg is from in the UK. So,、uh, without any further ado, we'll get started, and、uh, Ferg will be presenting us with just some general info on Japanese homes. Yes, sir. Just one thing to say about our new series,、uh, Real Japan Life. Is that we will be releasing these episodes on a separate feed. So, and when we record one of these episodes, we'll take a break from our main feed, The Real Japan, in which we typically discuss、uh, news and current affairs. So, if you listen to both of those feeds together, you'll have an episode every week. If you're only interested in news and current affairs, you'll miss the odd week. Occasionally, there'll be a week where we don't upload a podcast. We'll tweet about it on our, on our Twitter、mm-hmm. to let you know. On the other hand, if you're not interested in news and current affairs, you can just subscribe to this feed and you will receive episodes. At the moment, we're thinking about one a month, but that may change in future. Yep. So, without further ado, as Kenzo said, let's jump into our discussion this week of、uh, Japanese homes in the Japanese housing market because it is.、Yeah. Quite unique, and it may seem unusual for、uh, Westerners.、And、yeah, I, t- I live here, and it still seems unusual to me. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So, one of the defining factors of the Japanese housing market is that an unusually high proportion of people in Japan looking to buy a home、uh, opt to buy a completely new home. A new build, they will, you know, pay a home builder to make them a home, as opposed to the West, where, you know, buying a second hand home is the norm, I would say. Yeah, I would say, I would say so, definitely. Yes, sir. And, you know, I would even go so far as to say there is something of a stigma. I mean, not a huge stigma, but I do think there's a little bit of a stigma toward buying a secondhand、uh, home here in Japan. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. It's,、uh, you know, if, so, if someone tells me they're,、uh, they're buying a home, I, I assume they're building a new one. And you know, me personally, I don't have a problem with, with you know, quote unquote used homes. Because I, I grew up in the US and that's pretty normal. But 
I think over here there's almost this kind of weird if someone says they're buying a used house, it's just kind of like, ugh. Like, what? Used house? So weird. Why yeah. would you want a used house? It's yeah. kind of the vibe I get. Yeah. Certainly. And, you know, partly because of that and partly for other reasons that we're about to discuss, the that means that the value of Japanese homes after around the 15 to 20 year mark basically drops to zero because no one is interested in buying a second-hand home and yeah. mm -hmm. so you know if you buy a japanese home typically you'll be after you know a number of years you'll be left with only the value of the land that it sits on and in fact it may be worth less than the value of the land because whoever buys the land will be assuming that they need to pay to get the home demolished and build new on there right right it's you know we have mentioned this on our main podcast in the past but i do think uh, buying a home in japan is perhaps more comparable as a purchase to buying a car in the west yeah you know the idea that sort of as soon as you have it made and you start living there you see a significant drop in value and then it more or less goes to zero over time yeah like uh like with buying a car i mean they, you know they say that the the second you drive it off the lot it's already lost you know 10 percent of its value or, or whatever the number is and it's, it's definitely like that with homes i mean the the second you move in it, it's worth significantly less than it was you know a couple of days ago yes absolutely yeah and reflecting that the average lifespan of a wooden home in japan according to government figures is around 30 years and mm -hmm. for reinforced concrete, which is what the majority of new homes are built with these days, it's uh, just under 40 years. And that compares with, you know, I read sort of various different statistics about the average sort of length, uh, lifespan of homes in the West. But it seems to be sort of between 80 and 100 years for both the US and the UK. Yeah, read. sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right to me. But as I said, did read different statistics depending on where you where you read them. It just and and mm. uh, in, in, incidentally too, the average uh, loan term is between twenty and thirty years. So it kind of it's it seems to me that homes are designed such that right right about when you're done paying them off, then it's like oh okay now I can tear it down, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah. Just a quick sort of uh, footnote maybe to that, that, you know, some of that will be due to the way, like the, it, it's not necessarily the lifespan of the, it's not saying that you can only live in a wooden home for 30 years before it falls apart. You know, mm -hmm. those statistics will be artificially dragged down by people choosing to demolish homes before they're, before they need to be demolished. And in particular... Yeah you know, large developers buying up lots of homes on a large plot of land and then demolishing them all, regardless of the age of mm -hmm. them, in order mm -hmm. to build, say, a big, uh, you know, apartment block or something. But as you sort of alluded to there, you know, it does seem perhaps more cynical people would say that, you know, it's almost like maybe there is a kind of planned obsolescence type uh, thing going on here that, oh, well, 
whatever the cause, it certainly helps the industry a lot. You know, I read that there's apparently around four times as many architects in Japan per capita as there are in the US. So mm -hmm. certainly all the new home building helps prop up the uh, construction and architecture industries in Japan. Yeah, I, I definitely think that this government, because the construction industry is, is huge in Japan. I mean, for a country of this size, there's certainly a very large and uh, powerful industry in construction. Yeah, around double the number of construction workers, I read, by the way. In Oh, really? Yeah, co yeah uh, per so capita that... compared with the US. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they're, they're a very powerful lobbying force in politics. So it causes the government to implement policies that really encourage building. Yes, certainly. And yeah, it's uh, definitely the feeling I get is that the, the, the government policies, you know, maybe just building codes, right, that are maybe changed more frequently than they have to be to, you know, grease the wheels and encourage people to tear down and build new. Yes. I did also read that it's, it has something to do with the, the regulations concerning the amount of floor space you can have in a home compared with the, like the lot, the oh, amount of right. land mm -hmm. that, that helps mm -hmm. to, you know, sort of, or it sort of influences the market somehow. I didn't mention it earlier because it's not, I you know, I don't understand well the relationship there, but mm -hmm. apparently, mm -hmm. as you said, these kind of codes do have an effect. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, part of the reason as well for the stigma against second-hand homes and for the reason many Japanese people prefer a new home is that, you know, Japan underwent a period of rapid economic growth from around the 50s to the 80s, and in particular around yeah. the, you know, the 50s to the 70s, when many Japanese uh, households were seeing their standard of living rise and changing from old ways of life to more Western, kind of more modern ways of life. There was a kind of building boom and, you know, companies sort of built houses very quickly. Many of these kind of prefab type houses uh, in order to meet that demand. And as a result, you know, the quality of many of the buildings built around that time is seen as particularly low. And that means that people, yeah. are, you know, I mean, as we say, there is this, this sort of stigma against it at the moment, but it's difficult to see, you know, maybe in 30 or 40 years, as the homes that are being built now are aging, we might see more people choosing still to continue living in them if the standard of construction has improved yeah or do you think that's too yeah. optimistic well i mean it's, it's going to be hard to to change the public perception you know of use, used home equals bad exactly but, right yeah um, uh, but hope yeah it'll, it'll, hopefully there'll be a gradual trend toward you know it's okay to buy a used home um Yes, and yes, as you said, a lot of it is just like the sort of public perception, the culture, so it's difficult to change. There mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. as a side effect of this, um, the way the market works, there, especially in the countryside, Japan has this phenomenon called akia, literally it means lit uh, empty houses. 
Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, a typical situation would be you have an elderly person living in a home, perhaps on their own, you know, like their children have moved away, got married, started their own families and perhaps live in a city somewhere. And yeah. you have an elderly person living in a house on their own and they pass away. The house has been poorly maintained perhaps for a few decades and the children have no intention of living there. And, you know, they just leave it. They they leave the house and it sits there, an empty house in the countryside, totally unused and gradually sort of deteriorating. And this has led to many sort of um, local governments sort of coming in and taking over these empty homes and trying to sell them for, you know, very cheap prices in order to basically sort of get them off off their hands, you know. Right. And that's also part of uh, part of the reason why that happens, too, is because of the way uh, the taxes work, property taxes over here. Um, it be, Because of the fact that, you know, the, the structure on top of the land is in a way it's, it's a liability because in order for that land to be usable, the home needs to be demolished. Um, if if two people. If one person has a plot of land with a house on it and the other person has an identical plot without a house on it, it's just an empty lot. The person with the empty lot is significantly higher property taxes. And so it so it encourages this behavior of just having a dilapidated home that no one lives in just sitting there uh, such that because if you demolish it and make it presentable, then you end up. Uh, paying out the nose in taxes. Yes, exactly. I mean, uh, one sort of development in the market, perhaps, and I mean, it's been sort of going on slowly over the past 20 years or so, but particularly uh, within the past decade, we've seen some of the major homemakers start to look into the possibility of selling more uh, refurbished homes, I suppose they would be called, to Japanese Mm -hmm. buyers. you know, where basically a, a major home builder, you know, I read an article about this in The Guardian, but in English, so interested listeners can certainly go and check it out. Uh, and, you know, basically a home builder such as Daiwa House would go in and, you know, totally sort of renovate an old uh, building. However, as we were discussing before we started recording, for me personally, I do feel like this somewhat defeats a point of buying an older home you know the idea would be in a in an ideal world you know you're not paying for the the construction so you know you sort of save a bit of money there but if you are paying a a major home builder anyway then yeah might as well start fresh at that point exactly right exactly and often it will be like a complete you know this is not just a new lick of paint we're talking about but we made just sort of internal changes to the structure of the home and you know completely sort of gutting it and replacing all the fixtures with with new yeah and then uh yeah so yeah so you don't get a brand new house but then you also you don't get the old house like it loses its character so you're kind of left with this weird middle ground which i yeah i personally don't find appealing but exactly right yes um, and just finally, before we sort of jump into 
some of the more specific questions that our listeners might have about uh, Japanese homes in general. One uh, sort of interesting aspect or one interesting trend that I have noticed in, you know, during the time that I've been living here, you know, sort of almost a little bit less than 10 years, is that I feel like there has been this uh, move in some circles toward actively seeking out these old buildings, particularly to start businesses in, like, you know, uh coffee shops would be a typical example but also you might see some sort of like design studios and things that are a bit trendy mm, in a kind of old yeah. style japanese home kind of a kind of a hipster type thing i mean not not in a derogatory way but yes yes yeah certainly so there is that trend do you think we will see you know as i mentioned there's all these cheap homes in the countryside and things i mean japan is still not really at the place where you know, after the coronavirus um, sort of goes away, hopefully, once vaccines are, are out, mm-hmm. then do you think we will see more people sort of moving out to the to the countryside, sort of deciding to live, work remotely? Or do you think there's still just too much pressure to live in the city where all the jobs are? And, you know, it's going to take many years for people to start, to, for the, the population of Japan to stop sort of concentrating in the cities? Well, I mean, I, I'm yeah. Surely, it, it's not gonna. There's, I don't, I don't really see any drastic changes. I don't think. But for for better or for worse, this whole the whole COVID thing has, I think, maybe opened some people's eyes, both both people in general and also companies, um, to this notion that you know, well, maybe you don't have to live in the city. Like it's perfectly doable to live maybe out in the countryside, and so I think o- over the course of you know the coming decades, we'll probably see maybe a slight trend toward you know more people living on the outskirts, maybe farther away from uh, from where the actual office is. Mm. So yeah, I think that's a good thing because it'll help alleviate the congestion in the city. Yes, and uh, and just just recently in in the the news, you know, I've I've seen uh, articles describing how there's actually been a net outflow of people from Tokyo. Oh, really? To yeah, to some of the neighboring prefectures. So yeah, it's it's it started, but whether it gains momentum or kind of loses steam uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Well, shall we kind of jump into some specific questions about Japanese homes? All right. So I think the first question, well, this is a question I get a lot from from friends back home is, is, uh, you know, are Japanese houses really, I mean, do you like live in a shoebox, basically, right? And my my response is uh, always that, yes, Japanese homes are small. I mean, there's no, there's no getting around that. Uh, yes. But I was, I wasn't really sure. Uh, yeah, like how, like what is the difference there? And so I, I did some, and various governments publish, you know, their statistics. And apparently, according to the Japanese government, the average size of a Japanese home is about a thousand square feet. Mm. 
for at, for a single family home, uh, which is pretty damn small, if you ask me. I mean, that's that's tiny, thousand square feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas in in the United States, where I'm from, it's um, think closer to two thousand square feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the average. I think it's a little bit under two thousand. Um, if you take the average of all homes in the U.S. And mm. uh, so, you know, ballpark. It, yeah, Japanese homes are about half the size of American homes. Yeah, I think that that uh, fits with my general perception too. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're mm-hmm. not like tiny, are they? I, in many cases, well. I mean, if you're living like in the center of Japan, often it will be like you know a single room. That's not uncommon. But yeah, yeah. You know, if you live in the suburbs or if you live in the countryside, like they're smaller in general, certainly, but not tiny. I wouldn't say. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it, and and I'm sure in, in the UK, right? If you live in the heart of London, then mm. you're probably going to have a pretty tiny unit. But if you don't mind living. You know, on the on the and out of the country, then you can get a pretty decent sized house. And uh, you know, likewise, New York, San Francisco, homes, apartments are pretty damn small. But if you're out of the country, then it's not that bad. Yes, sir. Or it's, actually, or it's actually quite big. Mm. So, I mean, similar mechanics are at work in Japan, but just yeah, overall though, I mean, yes, the houses are quite small. Um, mm. Like especially, I mean, I'm I'm not in Tokyo, but I'm a little bit like just right outside it. And even here, um, if you, if you go on like real estate listings for uh, like uh, for like condos, and you know, condos are typically smaller than like a, a a detached home, obviously. But I mean, it seems the average condo size around uh, around here. Um, it, it, like a one bedroom would be maybe four to five hundred square feet, yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean that that's tiny, man. Mm. And I mean, even even if you're getting into like three to four bedroom, it's still well under a thousand. Maybe it's maybe you know eight hundred, nine hundred square feet. So I'm so I mean you got to imagine you know so okay let's just say you have a thousand square feet to work with and you got to chop that up into four bedrooms. And a living room, a dining room, and a kitchen, and yeah, each room is—it's <laughs> like each room is like a walk-in closet almost. Yeah, I mean, at that point, yeah. yeah. So, yes, the the rumors of small Japanese homes are more or less true. Yes, sir, certainly. If yeah. if you live in the city, mm. if you go out in the country, it's pretty much the same as uh, any other Western country as far as size is concerned. Yeah, yeah. So, yep, so there's that one. And uh, so another question I get is, do you really have paper doors? And the answer is yes. Not all of my doors are made out of paper, but some are made out of paper. Yes, sir. Like a wooden frame with uh, small bits of paper sort of covering the gaps between the the wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like a... Um, and you know, people have probably seen this in maybe like a, movies or something. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a basically a sliding door, and it's it's arranged in a grid. 
it's maybe uh, maybe each door, like each pane of the sliding door is, uh, let's see, four, four across the, the grid by, I don't know, seven tall or so, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, and just each, and so it looks, it's like a, it's like tic tac, big tic tac toe board. And then you you put paper over each uh, each hole, each opening, and uh, I I guess it was historically I don't know why they adopted this. Is it because of the like the humidity? Maybe. Yes, I'm not sure why exactly, but certainly it is like uh, you know it's historical, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, which kind of. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, which which leads into another topic, which is, uh, and this is not something I get asked, but this I think this is something that maybe not that many people know about um, that don't live here is that Japanese homes are very poorly insulated. Yes, sir, certainly. Like it, it's atrocious. The like it's the same temperature inside as it is outside. Yes, yes. And I I didn't underst- understand why I was like why. Why the lack of insulation it, it didn't make any sense. And, uh, and apparently, historically, before, you know, we had all these nifty, like, fiber uh, foam insulation, all these, all these cool technologies for insulating homes. Uh, it was a problem if you made, if there wasn't enough wind current flowing through the home, you would have these issues with humidity during the summer. Yes. And especially when your floors are made out of this, uh, you know, tatami material, like the, the thatch was, it's like a grass, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially cause that stuff is very susceptible to mold if it's not properly ventilated. And so, uh, the, the old school architects decided that it would be a good idea to, just have a very breathable home so as not to trap the humidity. But this also has the unfortunate side effect of making it so that there's just little drafts and currents everywhere in the home and it's kind of impossible to keep it heated in the winter or cooled in the summer because it's just, it's like trying to, it's like trying to, turn on the AC in your car, but all the windows are down. Yes. Yeah. Where, I mean, it's, it's cool right in front of the vent, but then just all the air escapes and it's just a bad experience. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They are very poorly insulated in general, aren't they? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and, you know, newer homes, like, like, like we were discussing earlier, um, it, you know, if you build a new home, yeah, I mean those are fine. I mean they're they're well insulated. I mean it's like it's like what you would expect. Um, but yeah, if you're li- any any homes that are you know somewhat older, you know maybe it's like especially from the you know the fifties through the seventies, and even probably getting into the eighties, I would I would think are are generally going to be really bad with insulation. Yes, sir, certainly. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Just. Yeah. 
Oh, not. sorry, just one thing super quickly about the paper doors, just to return to that. One, yeah. one thing listeners might not know or be aware of. It's super annoying if you have a cat because they like to scratch and break the, oh, yeah. the paper. You can get the sort of like tougher paper to go in the, you know, that you would yes. put instead of the regular paper. Yeah, the so-called like cat-proof yeah, paper door exactly. material. But, yeah. you know, until you get around to doing that, basically your cat will have a field day sort of scratching and breaking all the paper. Yeah, I guess it feels good like underneath their, like the texture, you know, like underneath their claws. Like it, yeah. it's like a satisfying feeling for them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, if you, and if, also if you have children, they love to <laughs> poke holes in the door. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. Another topic is, um, and this is something that's become, I think, more common in the U.S. now. But, yes, everyone takes off their shoes at the door. Yes, sir. I mean, that's, I don't think I've ever been to a Japanese person's home where they were, they adopted the, the Western, you know, don't take off your shoes kind of thing. No, no, me neither. Yeah. And because of that, the vast majority of Japanese homes have like a, um, a slightly kind of lowered entrance. They call it the Genkam, mm -hmm. where you, you know, where you take off your shoes and then enter the home. And yeah, as right. you say, yeah. I've never been in a Japanese home where you leave your shoes on. Yeah. And, and even um, some like restaurants and stuff, you know, you take off your shoes. Oh, certainly. Yeah. It's not, yeah. not uncommon, I would say, especially in mm -hmm. a like izakaya, Japanese style uh, pub. It's quite yeah. common, yeah. I would say, to leave, uh, to take off your shoes. Mm -hmm. And they got a little shoe box and you put your shoes in the box and then go, go into the restaurant and have your, have your meal or your drinks or whatnot. Yes, sir. Yeah. Although just, I mean, maybe this is just my personal experience, but you know, many of my Japanese friends will say, will assume that in the West, everyone leaves their uh, shoes on when they are in their homes. Mm -hmm. Whereas in my experience, like growing up, we took our shoes off at the door usually. And, you know, among my friends, it was kind of a mix. Some people would leave their shoes on, on like, you know, the first floor of their house, the ground floor, whereas other right. people would take them off at the door. It's kind of a mix, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But in Japan, it's pretty cut and dry. Everyone takes them off at the door. Yeah, in Japan, yeah, it's always take off your shoes. Mm. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think those are those are the main main inquiries I get mm. uh, from from people I know. Just one other interesting point I wanted to mention that I do think is it's tangentially related to Japanese homes, but mm -hmm. in Japan basically like the concept of kind of flat sharing does not exist in the same way that it does in the west right like oh yeah i yeah i agree yeah in the west i mean certainly in the uk it's you know very common for people you know who are either at university or you mm -hmm. know who are already working in their careers especially at the early stage of their careers but oftentimes later as well in their careers to uh you know to share a uh, a home or a flat or somewhere with other uh, renters. Yeah, yeah, in, Japan, yeah people, in the US too, it's very common. Yeah, people just basically don't do that, do they? 
I mean, there is this concept of kind of share houses has been cropping up within the past decade or so. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like a company manages a big, uh, you know, like a big kind of um, home, you know, maybe with like 10 residents or something in and shared mm -hmm. common facilities like a kitchen and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just everyday kind of flat sharing, you know, going and like living with people that maybe you didn't know before you started living with mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. It does not really exist in Japan. Many uh, people either stay living with their parents for much longer than they yeah. do in the West yeah. or they live on their own, you know. Uh, rather yeah, than, I, I, I read a statistic that... Um... I, th I believe is between sixty and eighty percent of unmarried uh, men and women between the ages of uh, I think eighteen and maybe thirty yeah. or so live live with their parents. Yeah, yeah. Which which I found appalling. Yeah, yeah. Like I would not want to be, <laughs> and maybe this is my Western upbringing, but I I don't want to live like I was. I mean, I hit 18, I got into university, and I was out of there. You know what I mean? Like, I I did not want to be living there. Yeah, and me I too. Think, yeah. Yeah, I think most people feel that way in, in, the, in the West. I mean, yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's part of, it's like a rite of passage, you know? It's like, you're, it's like, okay, you're an adult now. Like, you're on your own. Yeah, I mean, these days, maybe things are slightly changing. And maybe, as you alluded to there, maybe it is partly our Western um, sort of, bias but like a very typical sort of story of you know a japanese person growing up would be you know they they live at home they go to university but they go to a local one and stay at home mm -hmm. yeah, yeah they get their job they continue working in the same area and live at home and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know public transport is is good here in japan so you know maybe like your uh family home is some somewhere like for example in the Kansai area it might be in the countryside, but you can still commute to Osaka every day. Same, right, maybe right, right. you know somewhere in the vicinity of a large city, and then you know you sort of enter a serious relationship and get married, and then at that point maybe move out. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. many many right, Japanese right. people never really have this experience of living, you know, living alone, living away from home, and certainly not like uh, living with other people, like a kind of flat share type situation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you said, I mean, it is, it is not uncommon, I don't think, for a person to have maybe never lived alone, right? Because they live with their like they live with their parents, and then when and when they get married, they go live with the spouse. So they've never, you know, truly been on their own. I mean, that's definitely yeah, not uncommon. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I did once. Uh, I watched like a YouTube documentary um, and it was, uh, well, it was originally shown on TV and it was from around like the 1990s, I think. And mm -hmm. it was sort of, look at the strange thing these people are doing. They don't know each other, but they're living together and splitting the rent. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, it's uh, so weird. Yes, sir. And the comments underneath, underneath it. So bearing in mind, the comments are obviously not from the 90s. The comments are like from, you know, 2010s, right? Yeah. And the comments are all like, you know, this is crazy. What are these people doing? 
like surely it's not going to work out well if you live with people you don't know yeah so it is it, it is quite interesting to see that as a westerner you know as i said we're obviously affected by our sort of western western mm-hmm. bias but mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, roommates. That's yeah, it's something you just you just don't hear about. And I think people would like if if you were given the option, if a person is given the option of either living in a tiny unit by themselves or living in a, a rather spacious unit, but you know having to share with another person. I I guarantee you. I mean, well north of ninety percent of people in Japan would opt for the tiny one on their own. Yes, sir, certainly. And yeah. I mean, we're kind of coming up on time, so I don't really want to go about it. Go yeah on about this for too long. And also, like, we're getting into kind of general sort of um, stereotype type observations, I guess, but. I do feel like there is this kind of attitude in Japan where, like, your home is quite a private space. You know, in the West, it's quite sort of common, or certainly in the UK, for people to say, oh, you know, to a colleague or something, why don't you stop by mine after work for a drink? Yeah, yeah, come, we'll come, yeah, why don't you come over, we'll crack open some beers, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Or come over at the weekend and we'll watch the football together or something. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, in Japan, there is this kind of like your home is quite a private space and it's quite unusual for people to, you know, go to each other's homes in the, in that way. I mean, obviously people do, you know, socialize in, in their homes, but not yeah, to yeah. quite the same extent as the Western. And I do think that sort of affects this perception of like flat sharing or, you know, having roommates, the idea that, you know, you would be sharing like your private space with someone that you don't mm-hmm, know that mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. There, that, that element is definitely in play. I mean, there are people that I've known for many years, but I I don't even know where they live, much alone. You know, I, I, I don't, I've never been to their home, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, just uh, interesting, uh, interesting quirks about Japanese homes. I hope, uh, hope listeners found this at least somewhat informative yes sir and you know as kenzo mentioned at the top of the episode this is a new format for us and we're still kind of uh, experimenting and finding what works and finding our groove with this format so you know please do write to us or tweet us if you have any uh, suggestions either for ways we can improve or or think topics that you would like to see us cover yeah and maybe uh once we uh, figure out what the topic is for the next episode. We'll uh, we'll go and seek out questions uh, on our social feeds, and you guys can send them in, and we'll talk about them. So look forward to that. Yes, sir. But uh, okay, so yeah, we're coming up on time here. We want to keep these a, a bit shorter, so they're uh, more bite-sized. Uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll uh, we'll see y'all in the next one. Goodbye, listeners. All right, bye-bye.